Podcast where the host truly believes that this is the next episode of Ultraman Month. I'm Rob. I'm Kyle. And today we're talking about Ultraman the Next. Or Ultraman parentheses 2004, whichever way you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ultraman 2004, Ultraman from Project In. Uh, you know. Yep. A lot of, a lot of stuff going on here with this uh with this very short era of Ultraman. Very short, yes. Uh, it's actually really, really interesting, and I, I, I was originally going to do a lot, a little bit more research and watch some of the series that follows oh, this. Nexus, but I just ran out of time because eh, uh, we're record, we're kind of recording pretty fast from Shin Ultraman, so I didn't have time to sneak yeah. it in. Um, this snuck up I on did, me. We did uh, Shin Ultraman like four days ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I did uh, I, d- I did do a modicum of research though I did uh, I did some research into why this was done and what the idea was behind it uh, so that's gonna be fun to talk about uh, but uh, so it's been uh, I looked this up we last recorded on the 18th of January so it's actually been a whole one month and one day since we recorded <laughs> an actual Tokyo Olympics. oh there we go um, so, uh, we have a lot of news, um, and boy, oh boy. Okay. so it's one of those deceptive news, uh, uh, lists because there's one news item, which is first on the list, which yeah. is actually like nine things, but they're really short and sweet little nine things. Okay. And then there's eight, and then there's six or seven other news items. And most of those are just like. Hey, this is happening. Hey, this is happening. Hey, this is so it's actually not as bad. So it shouldn't be terrible, but let's just get going. So, okay. So we've had actually a surprising amount of MonsterVerse teases uh, with uh, from various places, but more specifically from KDM. Now, if you aren't following uh, uh, at KDM underscore monsters on Twitter, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, they have been in the Hollywood news business since the 90s, since the early 90s. Uh, they are an extremely reliable source for news. And especially recently, they've been really, Man. specifically for the MonsterVerse, they have they definitely have a lot of connections with Legendary. I didn't as... even know that Twitter was around back in the 90s. That's incredible. <laughs> Not on Twitter. Uh, it was a bad joke. <laughs> they did magazine stuff back in the day. But... Um, and I, I think I don't think they're from the states. I think they're I don't they're not German, but they're they're from somewhere in Europe. Yeah, uh, is where they're where they're standard. But once again, uh, I do want to stress they are a reliable source of news, not just for the MonsterVerse. They've got like they, they post stuff about like just other Hollywood news and stuff like that. Like they they teased like when the uh, the Scream trailer that just came out uh, today. They were like uh, four days ago. They were like, hey, in a few days we're getting the Scream trailer. 
Um, so they, they do have an inside track. They do have a lot of, a lot of inside tracks and specifically with legendary as one of these later tweets that I'm about to talk about. Um, they actually were approved to kind of give some teases for, uh, the next MonsterVerse film, um, in emoji form, which is going to be fun to talk about, but I'm going to go all the way back to the first piece of news. Um, and that first piece of news is, uh, some stuff about the MonsterVerse TV show. Um, so uh, they brought up that uh, Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, and Anders Holm will be fan favorites in the Apple TV Godzilla. Uh, now, keep in mind that uh, we did also learn really previously, uh, really, really recently, that uh, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell uh, are confirmed to be playing the, the same character with Wyatt Russell playing the younger character in the 50s and Kurt, Kurt Russell playing him in uh, 2014 or 2015. I think it's still 2014. I don't know. It's right yeah. after San Francisco. So, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, having them be major characters was also confirmed that they're not, that it's not just a cameo from them. Like they're, it's their, I don't know if they're the lead roles, but they are definitely like major characters in the show. Um, and then uh, the other part of the tweet actually brings up that there's another guest appearance that uh, they cannot reveal who it is, but when it does get revealed, it's going to, MonsterVerse fans are going to be extremely happy. Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, another tweet on the 23rd. Uh, it was the wrap of principal photography for the fifth MonsterVerse movie. Um, now, obviously, uh, since then, we've had uh, the second unit of the MonsterVerse film uh, filming in a lot of uh, a lot of really, really beautiful areas, like a lot of. Um, uh, coastal areas like Hawaii and some more stuff in Queensland. I think they sp recently just filmed some stuff on the Scotland coastline. Um, just, uh, and these are the people that are doing the shots for like the special effects scenes, basically like, so all the like plate shots of like, Oh, we're filming on the coastline and there's a monster. Oh God. And so they'll do all the camera work and stuff like that. Um, but like, so all the stuff with the actors is done except for the, of course, inevitable, um, uh, 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 reshoots, which is for every film, whether it's major or minor, all reshoots, all, all reshoots always happen. Um, post-production has uh, already started. Uh, so, uh, VFX, uh, so the CGI is going to be done by Scanline, MPC, and a lot of, uh, a couple of other studios that also worked on GVK. So it's pretty much everybody that worked on GVK is still working on the MonsterVerse. Uh, so we'll probably get about the same level of quality of CGI for the next MonsterVerse entry, which is good because GVK had some pretty great CGI effects. Um, let's see. Uh, the next one is... Uh, uh, okay. Uh, are we, it's the, uh, uh, Matt Frank, or are we still, no, we're there... still monster. Oh, we're the, still oh God, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there are currently rumors on the internet. This is from KDM as well. There were, there are a lot of rumors on the internet that Godzilla will only make a very brief appearance in the new Apple TV show in the first and last, ep last episodes. That is exclusively not true. They say, um, they also say it's very connected to another MonsterVerse movie, which, uh, obviously is referring to 2014, which we know. Uh, however, we have also heard that both the Apple TV MonsterVerse show and the Kong Skull Island anime are going to have some teases for the fifth MonsterVerse film in them. So they're going to be connected to 
what's coming next as well. It's not just two random prequels. They are going to have stuff that's going to be relating to the la- the next movie. Um, now, finally, the last tweet that we have to talk about is the one that was an approved tease from Legendary. Uh, this one. <laughs> so, okay. You did a lot of work here. I did a lot I, of work I looked work at here. this for like five minutes and I was like, this is not for me. I've got I get a text message like this once every New Year's from an aunt somewhere and uh so yes. uh, no I'm I'm so, not going to try and translate it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to first read it as it is written and then I'm going to read what I'm inferring from it. So this is as it's written. Dark areas H E the wave emoji uh dinosaur kong which has been the Godzilla Kong emojis that they've been using for a while now. Uh Boxing glove, two red X's, uh, new five men with one kneeling, uh, neon lights, uh, caution sign, mountain with sunrise, mountain bullet train uh, with the text heave, uh, Kong, man kneeling, era, pointing at the man, hand up, uh, uh, black man emoji, uh, woman engineer emoji with uh, like a laughing face, sun building, dilapidated house, sunset city explosion fire uh the chaos begins uh chaos capitalized uh globe wave emoji again uh island uh then you've got a palm tree a uh a pine tree a normal tree and then it's a christmas tree but it was supposed to just be the pine tree emoji again uh they they confirmed that in the tweet they were like oh my god we just typed it so quickly anyway uh uh more than three and then world building uh, all right, so here we go. I'm going to break this down. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and, oh, and to to get more specific, there's also a picture that I am not sure if it's something from Legendary or if just a picture of a globe that they found yeah, on Google. It's an interesting one. Uh, it it's a a picture of like the uh, globe, like one of those infinite, like three d three dimensional like hole objects, but it's like the North and South Pole collapse inward into like a hollow Earth. So if that's supposed right. to, I mean, if that's implying just like it's going to be a hollow earth focused movie, that's, you know, like, okay. But if they're talking about like, yeah, what's going to happen is apocalyptic. That's uh, piqued my interest. Uh, yep. I'm interested here. Okay. So, but the thing is about the globe, uh, if it is for the MonsterVerse and specific for this tweet, uh, the first piece of text in here is actually really interesting because it says dark areas. Now, the dark areas on the map are the coastlines of the continents. Um, now, this goes into a theory that I'm about to bring up in a second. Uh, then HE, of course, Hollow Earth, uh, the wave emoji. Uh, so uh, this with the later thing that says the chaos begins with a globe, a wave, and then a bunch of trees. I'm hypothesizing, and I could be wrong. This is all just going off with some emojis, so bear with me. Um, I'm thinking that whatever is going to start off the chaos of the next MonsterVerse movie is going to be a global tsunami caused by something. So whatever the big threat is, is going to cause a global tsunami to hit every coastline around the world at the same time. Now, the reason why I think that, not just because of the emojis, is, as I just said, we do know where the second... Uh, the second, uh, the, the, the filmmaker, the, the second group of film people filming are filming on a lot of coastlines around the world right now. 
Um, now, could that just be that this whatever the big thing is, it's going to be a global thing where we're going to see monsters everywhere? Yes, because also the wave emoji could also be saying like the wave of titans, ah. like the new wave of titans or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm just hypothesizing. Uh, the next part is, uh, of course, uh, Godzilla Kong with the boxing glove with the two red X's. So this could mean two things. I originally thought I had it figured out and then I thought about it more and I was like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> this could mean something else. So I originally thought they were simply saying Godzilla and Kong don't fight because it's literally Godzilla Kong boxing glove XX. So like they don't fight each other. Okay, cool. Then I realized that maybe what it's actually saying is Godzilla and Kong fight two monsters, two red X's. The two red X's are the two monsters that we don't know about. Could be either or. I don't know. It also, I mean, we kind of already know that it's not GVK2. So yeah, Godzilla and Kong shouldn't fight in the next in this next movie, but you know some people are still like, oh maybe. Um, uh, the new men, I'm just taking that to be new characters. I don't know. Uh, neon lights. Uh, I forgot to say that one out loud, but we know that uh, there's going to be some sort of uh, monster sequence in another neon lit city. Uh, most people are hypothesizing modern Tokyo uh, because just like Hong Kong. Uh, there is a lot of neon lighting in Tokyo at night, uh, which would be fun because we're we're already going to the to Tokyo in the MonsterVerse TV show. Uh, but it would be cool to finally have a MonsterVerse sequence in Tokyo uh, or Japan in general. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, so the heave line, which is next, I'm uh, going off of literally it's the Hollow Earth uh, aerial vehicles. Uh, they're going to be exploring the hollow earth and probably the big, uh, mountain range that we see in GVK, like with all the like weird gravitational fluctuations and all that stuff down in the hollow earth. That's my guess. Um, then the next one I didn't get, I was just like Kong, somebody's bowing to Kong. Yeah. And then, uh, somebody at our discord pointed out that it's, it's Kong bows to no one is the, Oh, I get it. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> he just put down his, his ax, you know, <laughs> Uh, he didn't Cordial. bow. He he submitted. He did not bow. <laughs> That's it's a very different thing. Um, so then we've got uh the black person emoji, man emoji specifically, uh, and then uh the female engineer, and then the laughing face. I'm taking that to be Bernie as the person who is the first emoji, since we know he's going to be a major character in the next movie. Um. Uh, all that I, all that podcaster talk in the after dark and now a podcaster <laughs> has to be a main character oh god yep. <laughs> i assume now he's part of monarch at this point but um because i think five years are supposed to have passed between oh, I see. gbk and this movie but anyway uh the engineer i don't know if that's a new character we know it's not madison because madison is not in this movie um uh, but uh, it could also just simply be referring to uh, Lady Lady Kong scientist, uh, because she is also supposed to be a major character in this film as well. So it could just be referring to her. I have no idea. Um, next is Sun Building, Dilapidated House, Sunset Buildings, Explosion Fire. I don't know. They're going to fight in the city during the day. Uh, I have no idea. Uh <laughs> Uh, the chaos begins. Okay, so I already talked about this section. However, I do want to point out one thing that is very annoyingly noticeable. And I only say annoying, and you'll get it in a second. <laughs> so chaos is capitalized. Now, 
I've been like, I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil. I've been watching <laughs> videos about like Dino Crisis and stuff. Uh, yeah. You'll find out why uh, in a couple months. Uh, but uh, chaos being capitalized that to, like that says to me it's not literal chaos. It's uh, like a a team or a you know like a like a like a uh, like stars or or trat or whatever. You know what I'm talking about, Rob? Like what what are those called? Where it's like every letter stands for yeah, uh, an uh, anagram. No, anagram. Uh, no. Uh, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I what I'm postulating with this is that maybe, maybe they're trying to create a rival organization to Monarch, and what my brain immediately went to is what if we fought, what if this is like a cult or another organization that is following what uh, 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 what's her name wanted to do in King of the Monsters, like wake up all the Titans, let them destroy the world, kind of a kind of a thing. Like instead of it just being a person, now it's an organization that's trying to do it, or a, or a cult, um, like the, that worship the Titans or something like that. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Like uh, another reason why my brain kind of goes to like maybe it isn't just chaos. The word is like we did learn about um, you know when G- GVK was filming, it was filled filming under the title Apex, and we didn't really find out till way later that Apex was actually going to be a thing in the movie that was built mechagodzilla so i early teases of this kind of a thing could be something more than just the word acronym chaos. god i'm acronym. so dumb oh my there god there it is there it is acronym okay like, anagram anagram <laughs> anagram maybe it's I, anagram <laughs> uh, that's why i didn't say anything because i couldn't remember it at all um all right so more than three here's the thing this could mean like seven things i'm gonna boil it down to two more than three. It could either mean more than three monsters in the movie, or it could mean more than three MonsterVerse projects. Because right now we have exactly three MonsterVerse projects that are in production that we know of. Oh, so they I mean, could... I kind of assume like it's it ideally. I don't know. That would be weird that it's like all metaphorical talking about a movie and then like oh by the way also. Well, but <laughs> it's followed immediately by world building. So it's like, well, wait, if they're saying like more than three, there's going to be more than three things and it's going to be focused on world building. That makes sense to me. Or like I said, it could just be more than three monsters, uh, honestly, at which the more than three monsters would tie back into the Godzilla and Kong versus two other monsters. So, uh, you know, I don't know. And then world building is what it is. I'm not going to look into that. That's just world building. Okay, cool. Um. So yeah, that was a big tweet that came out, and we did learn, as I said, that Legendary approved that tweet as a little tease of news that's to come very soon. Supposedly in March or April is where we're going to get the actual, like, boom to that news. Yeah. Probably to announce the date of uh, the Godzilla Apple show, like when that's coming this year. Yeah. Probably to give us a, maybe not, maybe not the first trailer, but at least a, uh, you know, like, coming this fall or whatever. <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, so moving on to actual other news other than the MonsterVerse. That was the big news item that was like eight items. So now these next ones are really fast. So we've got State of the Monsters, an original comic being uh, written and drawn by Matt Frank. Uh, friend of the cast, Matt Frank. Uh, funnily, funny enough, I can say that now because he's actually following us on Twitter. So he's friend of the cast officially. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's an original kaiju comic. Uh, it's set in Texas. Um, there's a really cool little uh, little tease that he posted where it's like the state of Texas with like monster slashes and footprints up at the top. Uh, very, very fun. Uh, I'm very excited for that. I mean, more Matt Frank art is always a good thing. Um, so I'm excited to see him take a stab at an original kaiju property of his own. So that's that should be pretty cool. Um, the next piece of news is, is two trailers in one. So we're getting two, two dinosaur shows. Uh, one of them is the TV show or the animated series that is, uh, based on the game arc, uh, that has been out for a while. It's about to get a sequel this year. Yeah. Um, the, I, I have no interest in the game. I've played it. I just couldn't get into it, but, uh, the actual animated series looks really good. It's animated by some of the people who did like Legend of Korra and Voltron. Yeah. So it's got that. Uh, I'm kind like, of shocked that there's a like seemingly well written emotional drama being crafted <laughs> for Ark. Well, I mean, the sequel's going to have a story with Vin Diesel in it. So, you Whoa! know. <laughs> okay, I'm sold. I'm back on board. But it, it only I'll only watch it if he can be like one of those creative characters where his arms are really short. He's like insanely buff and his feet are huge like all like all my favorite youtubers made yeah so but anyway so the 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 animated series trailer for arc looked really really fun i'm very excited to watch that when it comes out this year um but i am a sucker for that that style of animation uh so uh but yeah anyway uh so the next trailer this one's a little bit more interesting so it's a, a a animated series uh that is done by an independent uh group of artists called talon um now this you sent me this link and you're like oh my gosh it's so cute and so i clicked into it and it is uh, the bloodiest <laughs> goriest kids cartoon show i have ever oh, seen amazing. in my Ten life time. it is just like <laughs> a five a three minute long video of just like a series of violent animal deaths <laughs> and you're like wow so cute oh my god it's gosh. so cute uh, anyway <laughs> so it follows <laughs> So it follows. Uh, so it's okay. So like I said, it's an indie uh, animation studio. Basically, what I've heard, um, it, it's going to take it a while to get fully done. But they basically are trying to do like a short first season, kind of as trying to do it as almost like a pitch kind of an idea, where they're going to animate it all, put it up on YouTube as a season one, and hope that like they can get like a uh, Netflix or someone to pick it up. Um, now, obviously, will that work out? I have no idea. But essentially, imagine Avatar The Last Airbender, but dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. So you have uh, the like various different dinosaurs of various different species all have – they tap into like elemental magical powers. Um, it's very much – it's, it's, it's as Rob put it, it's a bloody kid show. It's a perfect way to put it. It's, it's, it's got this like cutesy art style, but it's also like realistic at the same time. Um, like the the baby raptors uh, uh mom dies at the beginning by a, by a t-rex and yeah. like it's it's yeah pretty brutal for a kid show uh but um it looks really fun uh, as far as like the idea behind it like i think it's kind of it's pretty cute like if this actually was a show that was like on cartoon network back in the day like i could have seen like toys of this in stores and stuff like that um so hopefully it, it gets some uh gets some attention the trailer definitely did it got some good attention on the internet but uh, uh we'll see if uh what happens from that um so moving on to the next piece of news which is it came out of nowhere, uh, but um, 
Michael Giacchino, a.k.a. the uh, amazing composer, but also more recently the director of, um, uh, oh, God, what's the werewolf? Uh, 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 werewolf at Night? No, it's, uh, oh, my God. I also oh, forgot. What is the title of it? <laughs> it was, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the thing from Marvel. It's the, the werewolf, uh, the werewolf thing that just came out by Marvel. Why can I not? What is it? Werewolf by night? Is that, all, is that literally all it is? Uh, no, it's something by night. One second. Why can't I remember the name of it? Yeah, it's literally just werewolf, yeah, by, werewolf night. by night. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Aha, I was I'm right. not, we're not crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So he recently directed to, critical acclaim uh werewolf by night um is directing a remake of them uh the uh, amazing movie that we just recently covered on the podcast and talked about how what what, what would they do for a remake um so the the reason why this got me so excited is because werewolf by night was allowed to be retro they, they it, almost all of it is in black and white. Yeah, it's got that like fifties horror movie style to it. Like it's very like style. It was allowed to be what it was. It was yeah. very well done for that aspect. I'm thinking that because Giacchino said like them is one of those movies that he was like his household movie that he played all the time when he was a kid. Like it was like one of those movies that he just loved as a kid. I'm thinking that when he pitched the idea. He pitched it to Warner Brothers with that stylization in mind, which is what we said when we reviewed them is we said that if they remake them, you can't have them look realistic. Like you can't do realistic ants. You've still got to make them like monstrous yeah. because it's just not going to work. Um, and so like. I I hope I'm hoping that that's what this is going to be. I'm hoping Warner Brothers is going to let him be like it's still going to be set in the 50s. It's still going to be set in like rural New Mexico. It's still going to be set like, you know, if we're lucky, maybe he'll even be able to do it in black and white. Hey, like, that would be crazy. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah. So like, I'm hoping I'm, I'm very hopeful for this. I, I think it'll be great. Like I'm excited for Giacchino who is stepping into that director's role for the second time. Like, I mean, once again, this man has an amazing track record as far as, musical score like he's scored a lot of your favorite stuff like i mean just a, a lot um but like yeah so like just recently he did werewolf the night and that was his first directorial de de debut and now he's doing this so i'm very excited to see what he does um i, I hope it's good <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that, that was a big random news out of nowhere um and so was this, uh, this next piece of news. Uh, we found out that uh, one of our favorite movies yeah. of last year is getting a sequel. <laughs> literally, I li it's so wild because like right before that news dropped, I was literally thinking like, man, I know Netflix has been going through some stuff, but it'd be cool if they like okayed like a sequel to Sea Beast or something. I hope that guy gets to do more stuff. And like a day or two later, this news dropped. So. Yes. So he signed a overall deal to work with Netflix on like a few proper, a few movies, I think. Uh, yeah. One, one of two feature projects that he's working with, with Netflix is, uh, the sequel to the sea beast. Um, and I could not be more excited. Once again, the first movie was a really great surprise and just came out of nowhere and was just fantastic. A lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun. Um, and sounds like, uh, from what I've read, it's going to be like the same creative team. So same writers, 
same animation department, same everything. So, uh, you know, as long as he can, you know, get the story that he wants, uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of potential with showing, uh, the, the girl, uh, maybe a little older as part of a, part of a, the monster, uh, monster, uh, dogs, they wouldn't be hunting monsters cause that was the whole point of the first one, but as part of a new team of like a new ship or something like that, uh, that could be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, once again, news came out of nowhere that they're doing the sequel, but, uh, I could not be more happy. That's yeah. great. I'm so excited. Uh, give it to me now. <laughs> I will watch it right now. If you released it right I, now, I would walk away from the podcast and go watch the sequel. So I'm really interested <laughs> to see where they go with like the next one, because like they kind of end the last one with talking about like the monarchy being like, you know, this ultimate evil, Uh, And like misinformation being like, honestly, like the cause of genocide, which is, wow, that's really pertinent and meaningful Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) uh, good for a kid's movie to have. But I'm, yeah, I am interested. Like, what do you, how do you follow that up? Like, where do you go into more detail? Do you like, I mean, I guess like you can age up the characters. Ideally, this is going to, you know, take like a year or two to even get going so oh, this kind of animated film it's going to take a it's going to take a bit yeah uh, i wouldn't i yeah. wouldn't expect this to see for yeah two years from now at probably. least yeah yeah so yeah so, i mean uh, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm interested to see what they do with it i'm excited yeah um so the next piece of news we actually talked about on the shin ultraman review but we're yeah. gonna talk about it really briefly here okay and also uh i did learn some stuff so uh, i'll explain how this all worked out <laughs> so cleopatra uh the the company that uh produces films or releases films uh distributes films that's the word i was looking for i uh, got the rights to do all the the vod blu-ray and dvd release for shin ultraman uh coming uh in uh the spring um, now a lot of people have brought up, well, why didn't, uh, why didn't, uh, uh, Funimation do it just like they did with Shin Godzilla? Why is it, why did it go to someone else? So with this, so Subaraya, Toho distributed the Shin Ultraman in Japan, as we found out last episode when we were joking about it. <laughs> yes. Um, then they put out the distribution rights to America. If you remember, there was a company that bought the distribution rights that was not Cleopatra. Uh, it was uh, like maybe five or six months ago. We, we ran the news story that like, oh, this company bought the international distribution rights for yeah. Shin Ultraman. So the way it works from there is that Cleopatra then bid on the release the physical home release the physical and digital home release for north america for shin ultraman so it's kind of a three-step process of getting it distributed so that's that's why it's cleopatra they won the bid it was their like they they paid the most money to the other company so they got the rights to distribute well probably less paid and more like you'll get like 80 percent of the revenue or or something whatever it is yeah Yeah. you know how those deals work oh yeah but it, but essentially, but that's how it works. So just just in case you were curious, because I've seen a lot of people being like, "Oh, I don't understand why it's not Funimation or <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers or something like that." It's it's because these Cleopatra was like, "Hey," um, and the other company was the Exchange. That's yeah. who it was. Uh, uh, they're the ones who were like, "Hey, we wanna we wanna distribute this. Uh, you get this percentage of the profits, <laughs> and we'll release it." Okay, cool. Um, but uh, there's no official date for this release. Uh, like I said, uh, it is supposed to be spring. 
So it is supposed to be relatively soon, uh, but it's it's not like next month. It's probably you know April. I would bet April or May is would be my guess. Maybe not even that soon. Maybe it's going to be a little longer. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's just uh, once again that's another piece of news. So if you missed Shin Ultraman for those two nights that it was out in theaters, uh, you will have a chance very very soon to buy it in the U.S. So um, now. Uh, the next piece of news is kind of interesting, but we don't have a lot of uh, details on it. Very of... little detail. I, I was Google searching it frantically to see if there was more info. Uh, There's not. No. Uh... So, and the reason for this is because it's it's very soon. It's a, uh, it's, okay. So DeVito Artworks, uh, so DeVito Artworks, in case you didn't know, are the people that have the rights to Kong's original skull island property so they're the people that have released um the kong skull island uh books that are not monsterverse and stuff that we've seen a lot they've got the marion c cooper estates kong property they're also the ones that are teaming up with disney to do disney plus's kong series that we're getting uh soon so it's that same once again you have to remember with kong the kong rights are split into two actually i think they're split into three but they're the the two that matter is you've got legendary using the kong rights where they can't use any of the marion c cooper written stuff and then you've got this company who has the marion c cooper's estate stuff so they can do anything with the original 33 kong and anything to do with that so that's how the rights are so these are the people that are teaming up with game mill entertainment to create a King Kong video game based on the original 33 Kong Skull Island property. Um, now, <laughs> this game mill, uh, I've never heard of them. I, I haven't looked them up, but I don't know. I'll look them up while I'm talking right now because I, d- I didn't do my research on them. Game mill has only made one game of note which is the uh nintendo's smash brothers knockoff which yep. is i'll stress pretty fun pretty fun <laughs> uh what does that mean about a kong skull island game no clue i don't no think clue. uh yeah. i'll say that their work uh, is kind of buggy uh, at least in the smash but it's a smash brothers knockoff I mean... so obviously it's gonna be a bit buggy It'd be cool if we got something akin to like the, you know, Peter Jackson game. My concern is they don't do a lot of story stuff. No, they do not. <laughs> they do a lot of just like arcadey stuff, which isn't bad. And when I say An arcade, arcade stuff, shooter would be a lot of fun. And when I say arcadey stuff, yeah, I do mean like arcade shooters. Like they do the Deer Hunter, the most recent Deer yeah. Hunter stuff and stuff like that. Um, and they like the other game that they have done that I will say is a lot of fun. They did do the most recent cruising game, Cruisin' Blast, oh. and that game is a ton of fun. But it's very arcadey. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's very like so. This doesn't could, tell us could what the game is going to be. Shooter, you know, could be a rail shooter. Maybe this is their their chance. Like they're taking this as a chance to try and do something more story based for the first time. Like we don't know. We don't know anything. Uh, yeah. The only thing we know is that it is in the works. They have pro- pro- officially partnered to work on it. Um, this was actually, uh, uh, the reason why there's also no, no details on it is because this was from a, like a licensing expo, which the licensing expos are literally that we find out, Oh, Hey, this thing got licensed, but there's no, like, it's not like what it's going to be. It's just like, Oh yeah, the, they wanted to do a Kong game and they bought the rights to do it. Cool. 
Uh, <laughs> so um, it is what it is. Uh, but they, you know, we'll find out more in the coming months. Um, you know, we supposedly still have uh, two MonsterVerse games in development, some version of development somewhere. Um, but uh, until then, we're just going to keep playing Gigabash with Godzilla in it. Because <laughs> uh, there you go, that's fun. Okay, so. The last piece of news is something that I had read was a potential thing that was going to be made, but I didn't know it had officially gotten picked up and started filming. Uh, so they're doing a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, 30th anniversary special on Netflix. And when I say 30th anniversary special, I don't mean like a, oh, let's reminisce about Power Rangers. It's an actual like story. Yeah. Like it's an actual thing. So uh, the the two key members of this uh, – are uh, David Yost and Walter E. Jones, a.k.a. Yeah. Billy and Zach. Uh, now, we ha- we do have some other returning cast as well. I don't want to, like, downplay that. We, yeah, have, the act- we have the actor that, uh, that's played, that played Rocky, and we have the actress that played Cat, the second yeah. Pink Ranger, um, and sec- second Red Ranger as well uh, yeah. for Rocky. And then we also have the return of Johnny Young Bosch as, uh, 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 oh, I always forget, Adam. Yeah, uh, what? He's going to be there? Yes. He's going to be there. Uh, and then we also have uh, the actress who played uh, the Yellow Ranger, um, oh. uh, the second Yellow Ranger, yeah, is coming yeah. back as well. Uh, so, so there's there's a lot of like little bitty returning cast. Uh, we do know, uh, non related to his death, uh, uh, Jason David Frank is not showing up supposedly, hmm. um, but we do see in the trailer for this, we do see a Green Ranger. So oh. I don't know if he's just never going to take off his mask or. Maybe he filmed a cameo and they're keeping it a secret. Um, yeah. It'd be weird if he didn't want to do this, but he did the the last white dragon thing, you know? Well, supposedly it Unless was because... Unless it was a conflict? Like it just time-wise didn't work out? Yeah, supposedly it was that, and then supposedly it was also... Um, it was something to do with like he wasn't going to have a major role, I think, and oh. so he was just not really feeling the script. Anyway, we don't know. Uh, and like I said, there is a Green Ranger in the clip, so could very well be him. Like, uh, you know, he could that could be the big reveal at the end is he yeah. takes off the helmet and it's him for a split second. Yeah. Um, honestly, with his death, they probably want to keep that a secret if he is in it. Just yeah. just to like, be well, like, I mean, oh otherwise, my God, you're, he showed up. if you're like, advertising it based off of that, then like that feels icky, you know, because yeah, it either feels icky or, yeah, you wait and like let it play out. And then when it plays out, it's a it's a nice moment. Right. Then yeah. it's like, a, oh, there he is. Um, so anyway, um, uh, and then the other per- other big person that is coming back is the original voice for Rita Repulsa is coming yeah. back. Uh, and you do see it briefly in the trailer. And like a, if you pause and you and you look at it. Uh, she's coming back as a robot, like a <laughs> robot Rita Repulsa. Amazing. Uh, it's going to be the threat. So that's perfect. Um, that's great. Uh, I'm very excited. To and it's hear. just going to be a short, it's a short film thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a single thing. It's not going to be a, uh, it's not going to be like a, a series or anything like that. It's very, I think it's very much going to be like a 60 minute special or something oh, like that. Full, it's uh, a full special though. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard. I bet I don't, you know, there's no official word on it yet. Cause it's so yeah. early, but, uh, yeah, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. It's it looks like uh, specifically David Yost and Walter Jones look like they're having a blast. Yeah, uh, put the costumes back on again, which is great because 
you know, the history with David yeah. Yost being a gay man, like it didn't go so well back in the nineties on set. So yeah. it's kind of nice to see him actually officially returning as Billy. Cause he hasn't shown back up as Billy like ever. Yeah. So, um, so that's really great. Um, Walter Jones has shown back up a couple of times, yeah. but, but I, I uh, think that it's also, I mean, it's indicative of kind of the change in the fan base. And I think that there's been a lot of support for Yost over the last oh, few yeah. years. Oh yeah. Oh, so that's he, nice. And he wrote this, by the way. Oh, he did. Awesome. Yeah, he okay. he wrote the special. That's that's what we heard about it. Was he 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 teased? I think it was like two years ago. Now he was like wow. he was like he was like oh I'm writing like a like a anniversary special for the original cast. I don't know if we'll get to do it, but I I've, I'm writing something. And so this is the culmination of that. Eh, like apparently that's cute. he was because you know because you know Netflix got the has the rights to Power Rangers. They yes. have all the rights to Power Rangers now. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so he probably pitched it to Netflix and they were like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's do it. <laughs> um, and, and Netflix is really pulling into, uh, uh, bringing back old villains. Cause, uh, uh, Zed is going to be one of the main villains of the new Power Rangers that's uh, filming right yeah. now. So, um, a, a, re- a revived Lord Zed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, it looks like it's, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Um, I think that it's, you know, for us power, us old school Power Ranger fans, I bet you there's going to be some surprises. I have a feeling Bulk and Skull are going to show up oh, at some great. point. I, I feel like it. I feel like they're probably going to go to Ernie's Juice Bar. Like, you know, like there's going to be the, there's got to be some like some stuff, you know, like uh, they, they wouldn't just be doing it. Just be like, oh, let's throw the actors together. Like, oh, yeah. no, there's going to be some fun stuff there. I think the uh, I don't know if it's the original voice of Alpha, but uh, they are doing another version of Alpha oh, uh, as okay. well. So, um, but Zordon's dead. You can't, can't Zordon. You can't bring Zordon back, unfortunately. Yeah, he's that was the whole. That was the whole point of Zio was. He'll have to... well, he'll have one lat like a recorded message. They'll find like a secret hidden uh-huh. message by him, and, and and that that actor would definitely do that for oh, sure. Rangers. He, he loves. He loved being. I recorded uh, one uh, last message before I died in Zio. <laughs> <laughs> Rangers, you're no longer teenagers. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's that's the last piece of news. Uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Comes out this year, I believe, at some point. Yeah, April thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, April. So in, on the thirtieth anniversary, where we have uh, already uh, some Power Ranger stuff planned. So it's true. So there you I go. Know, maybe we'll have to skip a signals that month, or uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But are you ready to take a little bit of a break? Yeah, we got through the news, and then come back and tackle. It's it's uh it's ten o'clock now. I'm gonna go take a quick power nap, and then we're gonna come back <laughs> to talk about Ultraman the next. After these messages, we'll be right back. The monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. The monster will destroy us all. Sure, monster. The monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. The monster. This monster you'll see. You think your bombs will stop him? And we are back to talk about the next episode of this podcast. We're talking about the next <laughs> movie, but now it's it's now, not next. We are currently talking about the next thing we're going to be talking about. Yes. Yes. Ultraman. <laughs> Ultraman, the next. Uh, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, okay, so I've written down a plot synopsis here uh, because uh, that's... 
uh, how I like to spend my free time is writing down dumb synopses <laughs> of movies now. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that I did it because uh, I watched this movie twice. And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that was fun. What what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, so shall we move on to the plot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, wait, do you want to do... Do you want to talk about why this movie was made first? Sure. Yeah, we can talk about do... we can talk about Project In real yeah. real fast and kind of like the fallout of this movie, which was right. the series. Um, but essentially, so, yeah. oh, you want to do it? I, I was gonna, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I did some research into this. Good, I know you're about to do the plot, so you're gonna run your voice dry on that. Um, okay, so this is not the first. Thing that happened in the Heisei era for Ultraman. However, it was uh, it was part of a let's try maybe rebranding Ultraman and doing something a little bit more serious. Um, and uh, this movie was the first uh, part of that. And then Ultraman Nexus, which is the sequel series to this, um, was kind of continuing that idea. Um, and more specifically, when I say taking things more serious, they were really trying to do a reimagining. I'm going to bring that word yeah. up a lot uh, in this episode <laughs> of the original Ultraman. Yeah. Um, and not, they tried not to fall into the trappings of like, we're not going to reuse the same monsters. Like we're going to do brand new creatures. We're never going to use any of the same monsters that we used before. Yeah. Like this is all new. The Henshin's uh, going to be different. The look, yeah. at the connection between Ultraman and the pilot is going to be different. So there are definitely threads that are very, very similar to plot wise, yes. uh, the original Ultraman and many, S- many Ultraman since. Specifically, the movie is very much the first episode of Ultraman. Yeah, as an hour and a half instead of as thirty minutes. Like, yeah, twenty-seven yeah. minutes or whatever. <laughs> um. But so once again, so this wasn't the first thing. There was uh, Tiga, Dinah, Gaia, Cosmos, and even Ultraman Q Dark Fantasy uh, came out before this in the yes. Heisei era. But viewership uh, was falling. And so yes. they were like, well, yeah, let's rebrand this for adults. We don't all these babies watching Ultra, Ultraman Tiga. We should make a, a, a movie for adults. <laughs> and this is what they came up with. <laughs> Um, uh, to, to, yeah, to varying success. Uh, and then of course, then it would just be a few series later when we started getting into the actual, like kind of rebirth of the Ultraman series, ironically, the, oh, yeah. the thing that they, the thing that they were trying so desperately to do with this, you get, uh, you know, two movies yeah. later, two movies later, and that's ultra galaxy mega monster battle. And then the sequel, then that's when really everything started to kick off with like, Belial and Zero and Orb and all the stuff that became really, really yeah. popular again that brought Ultraman back into the into the uh, to the uh, uh, eye of the public, really. Yeah, taking um, the ideas from beyond just the first episode of the original Ultraman, turns out there's some rich material to uh, to mine there. You know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, with that in mind, Rob, tell us the plot of Ultraman: The Next. Absolutely. Kick off. The Tokyo Live crew finally watches Top Gun Maverick together. 
oh wait no i'm sorry this is ultraman <laughs> and the movie just happens to start on an airfield as the disembodied voice of a child tells us how much he loves his dad for flying jet airplanes boy i sure hope nothing bad happens <laughs> Meanwhile, in a Resident Evil movie, something bad happens. <laughs> a body horror kaiju is on the loose, but action scientist lady can't bring herself to shoot it with the T-virus bullets when she sees a human face bulge out of the creature's shoulder. Yikes. And so, the one escapes, diving into the ocean waters below, <laughs> the spooky science facility. Meanwhile, back on the airbase, not only is Maki, our protagonist, a cool fighter pilot, he's also a dad, and he's ready to hang up his coat after hearing that his son is dying. <laughs> well, at least he will retire after one more flight, that is. Uh-oh, look out for that miniature son coming right towards you, Maki. <laughs> yes, just like many Ultra protagonists before him, Maki flies headfirst into Ultraman as he enters the atmosphere. Is this the end? No, it's the next. Title card drop. <laughs> Smash cut. The flaming wreckage of the F-15 smolders while helicopters circle above looking for Maki. Meanwhile, a few miles away, a restaurant-owning couple looks on in horror as a kind of dirty Maki shows up on their doorstep. Jeez, lay off, you two. I'd like to see how good y'all look after merging with a veiny alien consciousness. <laughs> I have to interject one thing here. Yes. So, Rob, you brought up the Top Gun Maverick connection at the beginning. Yes. Which is very apt, especially because of the music, which we'll talk about in sound design. Oh, yes. But if you've seen Top Gun Maverick, this scene, this exact scene is in Top Gun Maverick because at the very beginning of the movie, he crashes his stealth jet. His super jet, yeah. And then he walks into a random diner in the US <laughs> and is like all like dirtied up and like all like, where am I? What day is it? <laughs> so it's the exact scene. And I'm sure it's just coincidence. That's amazing. But it's exactly the same. I was me. I watched it with my buddy Julio, who has no context for Ultraman. But uh, <laughs> we were laughing our asses off because it was like, oh my god, it's just Maverick again. What wow. the hell? It's wild. Anyway, I, actually, I haven't seen I haven't seen Maverick yet, so yeah. that might That's be. I'm not spoiling. That's the very beginning <laughs> of the movie. So. <laughs> Maki is haunted by dreams where he is the ball of light that destroyed his F-15 and wakes up in a hospital surrounded by his family, including his, if you get sick even one more time, you will die, child. Probably not a great idea for him to be in a hospital. Ah, oh, well. Time for the court-martial scene. Maki recounts the crash as the, as the gun-toting action scientist lady from earlier looks on, intrigued. Everyone seems to get over the fact that Maki saw a giant glowing red demon pretty quickly, and his fellow F-15 pilot is just thrilled that he's still alive. They tearfully salute each other as Maki leaves the base for one last time. The end. Oh, wait, there's still an hour left of the movie. Well, let's catch up with our kaiju and see what he's up to. Oh, slaughtering a whole shipping vessel's crew and vanishing once the boat lands ashore? Wow, what a busy little guy. Speaking of busy, Maki has already found a new job, flying tourism. And his boss is super cool. What a great scene. I'll talk about this later. Oh, I will too. <laughs> oh, hey. Maki has one more flight before he gets to spend the afternoon with his family. 
Hey, wait a minute. Didn't I just make that plot point about 20 minutes ago? Oh, well, Maki gets on board the Cessna and takes off <gasps> with the action scientist lady on board. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Maki gets kidnapped on his birthday of all days and gets flown to a secret military base at gunpoint. Turns out America is once again the real monster as the anti-bioterrorist group, BCST, is behind the kidnapping and they're up to something. Meanwhile, back at the aerial tourism company, Maki Cessna returns, but it's piloted by his old F-15 co-pilot. What the heck? Turns out Maki isn't the only hostess with the mostess. As three months ago, a naval officer was attacked by a glowing blue entity, and it transformed him into the monster from the start of the movie. E-gads! And now they're expecting Maki to also transform into a monster. And since the first monster is called the one, obviously we have to call Maki the next. <laughs> Man, I sure hope there aren't any other space monsters or anything, because this naming convention will get out of hand. <laughs> so they lock Maki up in the basement and use him as bait for the one. And gosh, it works. The one is surrounded by army boys who fire dozens of rounds of poison bullets into him. But all it does is cause the one to transform into a giant version of himself. But he's not the only one changing as Maki goes through his own gross bird, becoming Ultraman the next. The two titans do battle in a perfectly recreated sound soundstage to match the huge room they were in earlier. It's neat. They actually do that twice. They do like a really good job of like building sets to scale i have thoughts of that yeah i think it's uh, but it, we'll, we'll get to it oh, I, okay. I i yeah <laughs> the battle rages on until the next y-shaped color timer begins to flash with like a heartbeat uh, -huh. uh but he passes uh, but before he passes out he's able to fire off one spinning grid beam and scares the one away because he shoots it kind of like grid man shoots well, he, his laser yeah, it's more of a it's more of like a slash it's, well, it's he does a slash later but like this no, 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 one is like well because it's not his actual beam i want to yeah. specify that oh that's but later, it's, yeah but it's it's uh uh it's 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 the adaptation of ultraman's little ring yeah 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 uh ring buzzsaw but instead of it being a buzzsaw well, it's, it's like, like the uh, ultra seven does the well no it ultra seven pulls the thing, throws the thing head. yeah no, there's one anyway. of them that can shoot little like fans out of his arm yeah but anyway so it's like his We'll talk about it in monster design, but he has this like raised blade area on his arm. Yeah, yeah. And it glows yellow, and then like he swings his arm, and like the yellow bit of it like kind of shoots off. But yeah. it doesn't like doesn't do much. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Later, it's like he actually throws he like a slash. It. This yeah. time, he's kind of like, because <laughs> um, he hasn't fused completely yet. Oh, that's true. They do mention that. Uh, uh, turns out Ultraman and the one have a grudge match and Ultraman might be the good guy in this conflict after all. Who would have thought? <laughs> so what will it be, protagonist man? Fight the monster or feel sorry for yourself? Wait, before you can answer that, I should tell you that the giant monster is currently living in the sewers underneath the city where your child lives. Speaking of, where's that sick little guy going anyway? Oh, He's sick again and being rushed to the hospital. Maki, in the ultimate dad moment, senses his son fainting and quickly overpowers an off a military officer to steal a truck. 
<laughs> All of Maki's friends and family arrive at the hospital as his son is rushed into urgent care. But it turns out he just fainted from anxiety. Big mood, kid. And he's mostly just sad that his, he's put a burden on his parents. The kid, waking up from his dread coma, says that he will work hard to get better and asks his dad to give him a ride on his plane when he gets back to being healthy. Uh, and so, with a newfound dad power-up, Maki heads out to battle the One. We also learn that Scientist Lady was in love with the One's host, and all she wanted was to have a, com a common, warm family with him. It's very, it's very specific terminology. It's yep. cute. Still cute. Maybe not un not necessarily earned, but cute. Also not as cute as the movie thinks it is, but uh, it's yeah, another yeah. subject. Yep. Anyway. Uh, uh, but Maki promises that she won't have to deal with the monster because now that's his job. And so it's down into the sewer level of this movie for the final boss fight. Oh, wait, it's Udo in his human form. And he seems conscious. Why? Maybe we can save him after all. Oh, no, wait. Science's gal pumps him full of lead while daydreaming about her life with him. Oops, that just made him turn into a Naruto villain. It turns out he's not so human after all. <laughs> Henshin time, baby. Our battle begins as the two titans do some high-flying kicks in the sewers. But before long, the one summons his greatest ally <laughs> to get a power-up. That's right, rats. <laughs> the one, now a rat-themed Cerberus, explodes out of the sewers and runs wild on the city, blasting that classic rat sewer power, superpower we all know about, Atomic Breath. <laughs> Looks like Ultraman needs a power-up. Fortunately, his dad's senses are tingling, as a child's in danger nearby. Power-up! Perfect, <laughs> perfect form the next takes shape and dukes it out with the Rat King, the one. And what's more, Ultraman can fly in this form. Wow, huge advantage. <laughs> oh, wait, the one summons the CGI birds from Birdemic, and they fuse into <laughs> his body to grow wings. So he's basically FF7 Bahamut at this point. Also yes. neat. Yes. While Maki just kind of feels himself and is vibing in the clouds, the one launches an attack on Shinjuku. Bud, wake up. You've got a kaiju to defeat. Maki and Ultraman have a heart-to-heart -heart and decide that dying wouldn't be very opportune at this particular moment. So he hulks up and instantly gets owned by the One. Yep. <laughs> but don't worry, the JDF Air Force is here to help their old buddy Maki out and give him an opening just long enough to blast the Birdemic right out of the One's body. Finish him! The, ne the next fires off his version of the Specium Beam, causing the One to disintegrate. And so Maki returns to Ultra Space and has a quick goodbye chat with Ultraman. Maki says he definitely has no regrets uh, that he, now that he got to do some sick barrel rolls before he died. And then Ultraman is like, uh, what about your son, dude? And Maki suddenly remembers that he said he would hang out with his son after all this. So Ultraman heals Maki one last time and leaves the planet to, uh, leaves the, planet to the Earthlings. The end. <laughs> So, okay. Um uh okay, let me uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this movie. I I okay, I didn't I didn't hate it. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. But I definitely didn't hate it. Remember uh but I when we were watching like Shin Godzilla or Shin Ultraman, you were like <laughs> 
oh man, I'm definitely going to like the next more because it's like all those things I've read about it is that it's a reimagining and that's so cool. And then you watched it and we were like, oh, eh, okay. <laughs> I think, I, okay, one of the things that I like but also hate about it is how 2000s Japan Oh god, it, it is. Deeply it is nostalgic. So... I kind of wish Cameron was on this episode because like we had a friend, uh, a mutual friend in high school who like this was her like the collection movie she had. It was like, you know, she obviously had like a bunch of like dumb comedy movies, but like she imported so many Japanese like yeah. action movies and this era of digital like early 2000s digital camera Japan cinema deeply resonantly it nostalgic has to me a very specific look to very it very specific <laughs> look oh boy you can tell immediately what you're in for yeah and i think i'll talk more about that with with the well with, yeah, probably my least favorite moment actually is where i'll bring it up oh, and I cinematography see. and cinematography yeah but uh there's there's a very specific moment actually it, it, if far be it for me, but for once I have a very specific moment that sums up yeah. some of the stuff in this movie. Oh, that you I don't got a like. vertical slice? I do. Ooh, I love very, a, ver- I love a good specific. vertical slice. Um, okay. So but as far as the movie overall goes, um, and I know this is we haven't gotten final thoughts, we haven't talked about it yet. Um, the pl- okay, here's the thing. One of the things I do like about it, as wild as the plot is, and as inconsistent as the plot is. I'm not trying to compare it to Shin, Shin Ultramans too much, but I like that we have a three-act structure here. I like that it is focused on telling a singular story, even if it is a single episode of Ultraman that's bloated up to be 97 minutes. I appreciated that it was focused. I, I knew what the stakes were. I knew what we were fighting. I knew what was going on. We were talking about one creature, yeah. one Ultraman, just like, this is it. Okay. So I appreciated that about the movie. I, I appreciated the simplicity of the three-act structure. Simplicity being is, uh, is baked into the DNA. Other than the suit design, simplicity is baked into the, the very uh, heart and soul of this. Yes. Uh, for this being the first time that... I Okay. I, I uh, This is supposed to be for adults, right? Yes. The most adult thing is that the main character has a kid, but like... In the original Ultraman, like he gets a kid sidekick, like yeah. a youth joins their army for there. So there yeah. are plenty of like young companions, so I don't know that this is particular. Other than the kind of grotesque nature of the main kaiju, I think it, it falls short of being like a proper oh, like absolutely adult Ultraman. I, and that's what, and I think that is, you know, once again, knowing that that was what was promised with this, as well as <laughs> I could see why this did not rebrand. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of what I ho- hoped we were gonna get. Just seeing like the Ultraman design and the Kaiju design and the like, hearing people talk about it, I was like, oh, like yeah, this is gonna be like a cool like. I was I was expecting okay. This is a really good analogy, and only some people will get it. Rob will get it 100%. <laughs> I was expecting more Giver 1, and what we got was Giver 2. Not that Giver 2 is bad, but I think you know what I mean with like the like style of like filmmaking. Because well, Giver just... 1 is like dark and like. Giver 1 and... is super moody and has like a, yeah. a budget behind it, and Giver 2 had the leftover suits and David Hayter. Yeah. Solid Snake himself. <laughs> God, I mean, I but, don't get me wrong. I like, like the both. Woods. 
I like I, I like both. Yeah. But yes, there's no set design. There's no you watch the first Giver and it feels like everything was designed to be very moody and like noir-ish. Not noir. Uh I mean the transformations of the 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 monsters yeah. like is gross and like uh, the bubbling of the what skin and Mads something no something mad screaming mad George is that yeah, it Yeah 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 the the big bald guy right is the guy you're talking about No no I mean like the the guy who did the special effects is oh, like oh, screaming oh. mad George or something Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah, uh, so that that's I was expecting Giver one in style, and I definitely got Giver two. Once again, Giver two is not bad. In fact, I I probably watched Giver two more than I've watched Giver one, but that's what I was expecting, and unfortunately, that's not what I got. So I do want to just state that right now is like if you are expecting this movie to be that dark gritty reboot, get that out of your head. They yeah. don't. It's not that. It is a reimagining of the original Ultraman. It does have a lot of great uh I, I guess i'll take this moment real quick to talk about some of the fun callbacks uh like the the two like a uh, ultraman being in the red orb and then the, the blue orb being the monster straight up that's that's uh bemular from the first episode of ultraman was when they were fighting in the sky it was a red orb and a blue orb and yeah. uh, bemular was in the blue and he was in the red so that's that's straight up callback there's a lot of those like little tiny callbacks to the original Ultraman, just like a line of dialogue that if you've watched the first episode of Ultraman, you're like, oh, hey, that's literally from the first episode. But it's not like shit in Ultraman where it like takes its time and is like, oh, man, the fight's going to be exactly like the original fight, just with some a little bit new choreography. No, it's more like we're just going to throw it a reference here and there because we're reimagining it, not remaking it. Um, for better or worse, once yeah. again, whether you like it or not, I'm not trying to sway you either way. Um, it was screaming mad George. Oh my gosh, he did society too. That makes sense. I can see there you that. go. Um, so let's do characters. Sure, Maki, the dad. I think dad. I think when they say they're making this for adults, they are making it for making it nostalgic for uh, dudes with kids in the early two thousands, to where they. <laughs> They 2000 have, Japan, 2004 yeah. Japan. Yeah. Who? <laughs> so like it's for that very narrow demographic of like guys who remember Ultraman from when they were kids. This is made for like Akiano, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially like, you know, well, he didn't have kids back then. Uh, you know, this is for Akiano's friends that got married early, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so w- this this is supposed to be adult in the sense that you have this like very like. He's very like uh patriarchal family man classic like you know I struggle with uh, such a great burden but I must do it for my son um but there are moments that I think really really highlight this like um uh joyous character that we don't get to see nearly enough and it's one of my favorite moments so I uh-huh. mean I can save it for later. I can hint at it now. But the moment when he's talking with his uh, his new boss at the airplane tourism scene is really I like it. I I like it. Mm -hmm. My problem is that is that actually going to be your favorite moment? Because if it is, I'll say I'll talk about it there. Okay. I mean, I've got other unless unless you want to use it as okay. If you have other ones, then we'll talk about it here. Yeah, sure. Um, my 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 problem with that it's not that scene. It's it's the. they introduce I was when I was watching it once again, I was watching it with Julio, who has no concept of Ultraman. He's never seen anything. Yeah. And I was just I was explaining to him how 
when it cuts to the 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 new crew with his like his the crew that he's with, I was like, oh cool, this is kind of a it's back to like an original Ultraman feel. This now he's got like his, his yeah his team, his buddies, his 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 whatever. Like, um, you know, because it doesn't always have to be like an SSP. Like some some shows, it is just like his like some guys, some guys that he's with, or some guys and girls that he's with. So I was like, oh, that's what these people are gonna be. That's so fun. I love this. But then the movie has no time and takes no time to have us spend any time with those new characters. Um, and uh, that's a problem in this movie, I think, is that this movie has a little bit of a pacing issue where it it like spent so much time being like, oh, my dad's a pilot. I love him being a pilot. Oh, my God. Look, all these jets at the beginning. And it didn't take any time with the new crew to really have us connect with them on any level because they have no role in this movie other than that one scene. But I do agree with you that that one scene is fun and really good. Like where he's talking to his new boss. Like, I think that's, that's, that's a really good moment, but like the rest of the fact, the, his boss and the rest of the crew are unused in the rest of the movie. Well, they show up at the very, like in the hospital sequence and then they're kind of just like there when like the military show up to threaten them so yeah, they're they're very underutilized, but I also am kind of like it's it's very focused on like the grim dark nature because like yes. you also you have to have that scene, but then you have to juxtapose it nearly immediately with like after he has a heart attack fighting the one uh, and wakes up in the hospital, he's like, oh, "I'm a monster. I can't live like that." And it's like, I don't know, man, you just fought a a giant I mean, I guess maybe he doesn't have memories about what happened in the fight. I, yeah. It's hard to tell. Movie is unclear about yeah. that. Uh, so, you know, so like it's like, oh, you still have your consciousness, though. So it's fine. And then like they kind of have to go over that. So it's like the movie is very two sided. It's it's struggling with like what it really wants to say. Yes. With like, is it a burden to be Ultraman or is it sick as hell? Which you is <laughs> which is which is, I think, the biggest flaw in the movie overall. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a that's a big. Yeah. That's a big problem with the movie. But anyway, let's let's move on. Um, uh, scientist lady. Scientist lady. Sarah uh, Mizuhara. Yeah. So she is uh, she's a resident evil scientist. Uh, she's wears a lab coat in most of her sequences. Uh, it's very good. She invented poison to kill a kaiju uh, that gets uh, used once and then forgotten about because it doesn't work. It, it, yeah. It just makes him super strong. Uh and uh yeah her whole character arc is that she's a a tough distant emotionless uh science lady but actually she in flashback she was in love with a guy at some point yes uh it, in in any other movie she would have been a love interest for the main character i liked that she wasn't yeah i liked that it was I don't know. I like for the I, monster. I, it's yeah. yeah. I liked the twi- I liked the twist that it was the she was in love with the guy that was monster. I have problems with the 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 the, the like flashback flashing. Sequence. Yeah, she's, but every uh, gunshot, she's like, oh, and then we kissed that one time, and the pow, oh right, and you were you knocked those papers out of my hand, and you helped me pick them back up, bang. And then uh, there was that time when uh, <laughs> we went on a date in the park and you pushed me around on a car. Bang. <laughs> yeah, that scene made me actually like physically laugh. Like, I actually it, laughed oh, it's, out loud. It's a, it's it's, a guffaw-worthy moment. It's very funny. Um, so, okay. Yeah, but I, I liked her character. I liked the, the cold scientist. 
I, I, I think that she, uh, you know, she did kind of grow to be a little bit more open by the end of the film, especially with Maki. Yeah. I liked that. Uh, she does return in Nexus in really? the same role. Wow. Uh, okay. I think she's like the only character that comes back. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, she she is uh, she's the same scientist character in the in the in the show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what her role is, but I do know that she returns. So yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um. And then, yeah, so her love interest that we don't get to meet until the very end of the film when he's already possessed by the one, uh, Takafumi Udo, uh, doesn't get much time for us to really know him as a character. Um, But as you joked, he does become a Naruto villain with his uh, makeup, which we'll talk about. makeup and his extendo, grabby hand, good stuff. We'll talk about that in monster design. Uh, um, yeah, he's a, he's a tragic figure. It's uh it, yeah, it's implied that at one point he was a nice dude, and I think the actor does a good job of like portraying someone kind of like, especially in the the interview scene, uh-huh. um, where you have him kind of like talking about like, oh yeah, an Ultraman, or like you know the other one's gonna come and like he'll get in the way. Uh, but the one's motivation gets kind of confusing. Towards the very end of his fight where he's just like, all right, I'm done attacking Ultraman. Now I want to just kill all the humans. And he's like, I'm going to kill all the humans now. Yeah, I'm not very clear. I guess this is a good point. So we're talking character. Aren't they his food source? (laughs) It's not. It's not. It's very unclear. Um, The the one's motivation. Here's the thing. Uh, Most of the time when it comes to kaiju in Ultraman, the kaiju don't like speak to Ultraman or if they do, we don't hear what they say. They're like, rawr, like rawr. yeah. Yeah. Unless like, it's Belial. Yeah. Other yeah, but, Ultraman. Well, but all the other Ultraman or aliens, uh, yeah. any of the aliens, but like specifically the Kaiju, like the very rare occasion where there is a conversation with Ultraman, we don't hear what the Kaiju is saying. Uh, only Ultraman does. Yeah. Or if he can understand them. Most of the time he can't even understand what the Kaiju <laughs> are trying to say. Um, which leads to a lot of great episodes where it's just a peaceful kaiju that something ha- bad is happening to. Yeah. And it doesn't actually want to destroy anything. And Ultraman's just like, oh, I don't want to destroy you. And yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, but in this one, they have the beast uh, slash the one actually talk to Ultraman in the same way that Ultraman talks to uh, its host, Tamaki. Yeah. Where it's just like it'll zoom in on the kaiju, and the kaiju will have a voiceover giving discussion of its motivation. And it's like it kind of makes things more confusing, as Rob was saying. Because, like, yeah, towards the end, it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna kill all the humans. He literally yeah. does the bender line. <laughs> I, I like if it was, I, I feel like that would have been actually a fun moment to have another voiceover where he was like, if I can't have this planet, no one will. And then he yeah. starts to destroy or something like that. That would have been a better. Uh, moment for that but anyway um yeah uh, uh, then there's uh, honestly all the other characters are kind of side characters because they have very limited screen time very yes. limited character growth his best friend and I former f-15 pilot i wanted to mention him for one reason and one reason only yeah i was convinced that he was gonna get possessed by the the one and become the villain he, because he definitely seems like something's like he seems so sketchy when like his friends like so trying to sketchy. retire. But then like, no, I think that's just his face. That's another thing. Uh, no, no, no star power in this. No, no, no. Not no. a single actor can carry any of their lines. I no. feel so bad. I, like there's all these there's supposed to be these moments that are really meaningful and emotional with Maki. And like the actor just can't 
get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, his wife does a very good job sobbing. She really nails the sad mom vibes. Uh, the the boss uh, at his like airfield. That's where he's from. What? Oh, he's he's uh uh. Oh, what was it? what did we call him? Uh, he's the he's the Indiana Jones ripoff in Godzilla and Mothra. Oh, Ma- Maki is the Indiana Jones ripoff. In Godzilla uh, Takedo or Hokkaido. Hokkaido Tanaka. Uh, Hokkaido Tanaka. Tanaka. That's it. That's yeah. a, a Marissa classic. Marissa classic. Yes, he. I was like, because I, I, I was look. I was like, has it? Has he done anything else? And I was like, oh, let me look up his name. And then I saw a picture of him with long hair. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Freaked me out, man. Okay, cool. So that's that's what he did uh, before this. Uh, oh. That's pretty fun. That's fun. Um, did not know that until, until that, that moment. That was good. I love those moments on the podcast when we find out something really fun about an actor or something. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. None of the other characters really matter. I just wanted to mention that about the, his friend. Cause like the way yeah. he acts at the beginning is very like sus, sus. <laughs> that guy's a sussy little baka. Let me tell you. Yeah. Like if this was any other Ultraman show, he actually would be like an alien or something like, you know what I mean? Like he would have been an alien the entire time, like kind of like Juggless Juggler, like just like a, an alien disguised as a human and gets revealed in the third act or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, so okay, so let's talk Monster and Ultraman. Yeah. So we have, I guess let's do the Monster one? first. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the one. He has a lot of four, different forms. Really, he has four forms. There's just like little bells and whistles attached to yes you know so there's his his naruto villain form where he looks like a a guy he looks like a a background alien on uh like a a deep space nine episode yes so across his face they've like they've had these little tiny bony spurs are growing out of his forehead and cheeks and chin um and then in a later sequence when he gets shot 800 times by his ex uh, he grows these like spikes, not wings, but these spikes jut out of his back. Um, but the, other than that, he's still very, very human at that point. Uh, there's just like the monsters kind of like peeling out of his skin. Yes. Um, his next form is definitely, I think, the creepiest looking one. It's my favorite, honestly. Tokar uh, and Razor from uh from yeah. the uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles it's, movie. It's it's very Nemesis, like first like early Nemesis when it's still humanoid. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, it, uh, so just so you know, this is the Adorobia form, um, adorable, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's still got a humanoid face. Yeah. Uh, he's fully reptilian skinned almost. Um, I was joking about it. He's got very, uh, or me and Julio were talking is very Giger esque. Like he's got like this, yeah. like exoskeleton kind of look to him. He's, he doesn't look like a lizard he looks no. like a like a like a weird lizardy thing but it's it's just not like scales i guess is my yeah. point uh he's got this uh yeah very humanoid fo- face with still the human eyes mm. uh very very cool like they do a lot of really good close-ups and i think it's an actual separate mask uh that has really cool like animation on the lips yeah and, and stuff that like uh, curls the lips and you can see the human eyes looking around i don't know it just makes it it makes it very creepy uh like it's it's that like unsettling like it's humanoid but it's not human 
kind of feeling to it. Uh, it's 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 by far the monster at its most horror uh, for sure. Um, it's uh it's it's not huge in this form. It's still it's it is larger than a human. It's about a foot taller than the average person. So it's about um you know uh eight feet tall, nine feet tall max. Um. You also don't get a lot of good scale with it. You see some of it whenever, uh, whenever it's breaking out of the facility. Yeah. Uh, and then like when it walks up on the, the blue door yeah. where Ultraman's underneath, like you can tell it's a little bigger than a human. Yeah. Uh, there's, there is some fun scaling there. Um, it, uh, it, uh, uh it, it is, like I said, it's very reptilian, uh, it does have a tail, uh, does have the reptilian like legs and feet and everything like that. Uh, claws, talons, what uh, whatsoever, um, and so this form is when it had absorbed some li- reptiles and lizards, uh, in its cell, uh, to grow bigger. And that's how it escaped. Uh, and then the next form is when it absorbs a lot of little lizards, <laughs> a lot of little salamanders yeah, to grow into its, uh, rept, uh, reptu, Which reputeria, reputeria. Form. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ability to howl and make monsters or make random animals just pour out of the woodwork and fuse with it uh it was very strange i don't know if i liked that very much because some of them don't really it's it it would be better especially with the rats and the crows later um i think the lizard makes sense because it does get more reptilian between this form and the next but like the next form to the rat form doesn't make any sense it doesn't look like a rat there's yeah. no like quality of rat in it it's just like it, oh it, just... it well it gets two little rat heads on its shoulders yeah <laughs> but but even then it's like okay like you know like that's there's not... no fur there's no it just grows scythe hands and that's not a very rat thing you know? <laughs> yeah so okay so yeah so the, the reptur uh reputeria form yeah. uh is um it, get, it it continues being very Giger. Like now yeah. it almost has literally the Xenomorph you, chest on it. I don't remember which <laughs> saw it was. Do you remember? Uh, I think like saw two where the girl has the like reverse bear trap on her head. That's its face. He looks like <laughs> that. That's what his mouth looks like. He's got this yep. big giant toothy maw. That's like big gaping, like wide mouth. He's got a, a big, big tusks yeah, in the back yeah. of his mouth. Um, his eyes are now no, no longer humanoid. Um, like I said, he's got that same biomechanical Giger, like armor exoskeleton. He's got the big, uh, big old, like dorsal plates going down his neck. I forgot to mention, uh, in his monster form, he's got this like Orga style, like his head and neck are like pushed forward. Yeah. Like, so he's got kind of like a hunchback. Um, and it's really apparent in this form. Um, he's still got the big, like wing, like spikes that he has whenever he's humanoid that we see later. Um, but, um, my least favorite thing about this form is his derpy arms (laughs) because he, so it's, it's a, it's a problem with the suit. So like I said, he's got this big forward head like on his body. So clearly the actor's head is like looking through some slats at the bottom of the neck, but the arms don't have anything to them. They just are 
like almost like sleeves of the flesh of the creature. So he just has these very humanoid arms. So when you have the fight with Ultraman in this scene, um, he's throwing a lot of punches, like just like normal humanoid punches. Yeah. With his big old goofy neck flopping back and forth. It's (laughs) very good. The choreography is a little funny and I'll, I'll talk more about that in my least favorite moment. But, um, Anyway, it's just silly to me. But yeah, so he's got this blue and orange color scheme to him. Um, it's very, it is a very interesting design for a monster. Um, this is the, this one is the most, probably has the most in common with uh, his, the monster he's inspired from, which is Bimular. Um, the, the shape of his head and stuff like that kind of looks very Bimular-esque while not being a direct copy. Um, he has a big old tail that extends uh that's his main attack in this form is he like wraps his tail around ultraman's neck yeah and flaps people around with it um and then as rob said he evolves one more time well twice two more times but one final real design time to his uh form (laughs) uh where he absorbs a bunch of rats and grows to his full height, being 50 meters tall. Yep, yep. Rob, describe this 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 design. So, okay, uh, he's now a little bit more weirdly, a little bit more humanoid in his like body. Like uh, the the suit fits tight around the actor, uh, but he has these two long talon like fingers uh, for his like middle finger and ring finger. Now, mm-hmm. um, his head is like. Very like Bahamut. I mean, it, that was the way that I I saw it at least. It's got like a little bit, uh, a little bit of like a space Godzilla e, you know. Well, he's lost his xenomorph and has now become a predator. Yes, now he has there we the go. Big, yeah. He has the big mandibles and his yeah. skin texture is not uh, xenomorph esque anymore. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and then, yeah, he's got this ridge of spikes down his back and these, uh, instead of like in his very, very human or human form, when you start to see him like grow stuff out of his back, now he's got like four giant, like pauldrons kind of growing out of his spine Mm -hmm. or out of his shoulder blades, very like rib, like, uh, exposed exoskeleton, like, uh, chest and then, uh, big old stompy legs with, uh, these big curved, uh, like uh, shoulder or uh, knee, knee pauldrons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and on his shoulders are these two little uh, rat heads, just yes. like poking out, just yes. looking around. Yes. Uh, and as Rob said, he's he's definitely more humanoid for sure, as far as like the suit's concerned. Yeah. Because uh, his neck that was like really long is now a little bit more mm-hmm. shortened. It's more of like a traditional like I don't know kaiju design. Yeah, I would say. Um, anyway, uh, and then he does the bird call. (laughs) He screams and a bunch of CGI crows just kind of flock towards him and then just, uh, start, just give him wings. Uh, he grows wings so he can fly after Ultraman who's busy just kind of goofing around in the air. (laughs) Like, it's such a funny scene because like, literally it's like this pitched battle where it's like, oh my gosh, this is like so serious. And then uh suddenly uh maki ultraman realizes wait i can fly in this form and then he just just does a few flips in between buildings to dodge like lasers (laughs) and then he just kind of 
floats off into the sky and he's like, wow, <laughs> I'm living my childhood dream. <laughs> it's it's really funny, actually. Um, yeah. So he grows. Uh, number number one, the little rat heads grow crow heads now out of their mouth. It's out of their mouth. That was a fun scene. It, it was like a little that. fun moment. Yeah. And then he gets these big wings like giant 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 wings yeah um and i i, I like the wing design because they're not just bird wings they're not dragon like wings plated, either uh, yeah yeah like plated feathers but they also have like a secondary joint in the middle of them because they're so large yeah um i don't know i really liked it i was like i said out loud i was like now those are wings that could actually lift a kaiju that's what, yeah. I, that's what I said out loud i was like that's that's those are actual like wings that could actually work um uh, so the ability that we haven't talked about that this form also does have, uh, is it does have a, uh, a fireball, a blue fireball that it can fire from its mouth. Yeah. Um, it's not a beam. It is a, it's, it's definitively like a little fireball. Um, and, uh, he can also drain energy as well. There's a moment where he has, yeah, he's uh, like sucking energy out of, uh, uh, the next like torso color mm-hmm. timer. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So he gets his wings cut off, um, and then uh, gets uh, disintegrated, which I'll talk about later. Um, so uh, yeah, so let's move on to the next yeah. Ultraman. The next. Uh, uh, remember we were talking about Guyver earlier today. <laughs> so okay, so one thing to know, uh, we talked about this briefly as we were talking about what movie we were going to be covering. So remember back when we covered the very first Ultraman thing we ever covered for this podcast, and there was an Ultraman that showed up as a statue that later turned into a thing that powered up Zero, yes. and its name was called Ultraman Noah. Uh, so this is where Ultraman Noah originally came from. <laughs> so this is <laughs> a depowered Ultraman Noah. Uh, so Ultraman Noah is like a almost a godlike Ultraman, mm. uh, but... Uh, but uh, this one is uh, is like Ultraman Noah, but like power low, powered down. Yeah. Um, and Nexus is kind of like uh, about the this 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 Ultraman getting its power back. So at the mm. end of Nexus, it sh- it like gets its Noah form back at the end, oh. supposedly. So anyway, I just wanted to specify that. <laughs> um, but um, so uh, Obviously, he is known simply as just Ultraman in this universe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the military code name, the next, uh, does stick with him uh, for uh, our purposes. Um, so he has two forms in the movie. His unfused form, where he's not fully formed, uh, fully fused with yeah. our hero. And then he has his final, oh, the fusion is complete form that we see in the final uh, match with uh, with the one. Um so Rob, describe his unfused form or the so, Anfin's form. Yeah. Uh, so I I like this form. It's a very Gridman feel for some reason. I don't know how to describe that uh, in a direct way, but so he's got uh, very tiny eyes for an Ultraman. It's a silver and black design, black under like muscle suit underneath, and then like this silver armor layered on top. Uh, the big distinctions for this Ultraman, again, the tinier eyes, uh, he has, uh, the silver is like very armor like, it doesn't look like, you know, spandex, mm-hmm. uh, it, so it's not like a metal or a flesh. And then, uh, he has a big, uh, Y shaped color timer on his, uh, chest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like uh, just below where like his like collarbone is, he has like a glowing red collarbone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that like doesn't like do the <laughs> traditional like timer. Uh, instead, it just kind of eventually starts beating like a heart and he goes, uh, chest pain. Ugh. Right. Yeah, there is definitely, unlike with Shin Ultraman, which we complained about, there is definitely a physical reaction to him yes. losing his power. Oh, yeah, and he movie. does, like, uh, uh, yeah, like, yeah. it clearly hurts him to start running out of power. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, a couple of notable things uh, that, that Rob didn't mention that I noticed. Uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned the, the muscle suit, which we'll talk about more in the next form. The next form is... Uh, but uh, he does have... Uh, all, over his eyes, uh, he has these like gray uh, slits that kind of like form around his eyes, like to the back of his head. Um, that gives his uh, gives his eyes a, a very distinct look for Ultraman because Ultraman usually their faces kind of all look the same for the most part. Um, you know, with few exceptions like Seven. But uh, uh, but yeah, so he has this like divot in his head. Uh, with these like gray lines that form down. And then he also in this form uh, has these uh, like yellow eye spots uh, like on his uh, torso yeah. and then on his shoulder pads. Um, he has this like weird, just like yellow. They look like eyes um, spots, um, but it's only in this form specifically. Um, so uh, moving on to the Junus form, and then we'll talk about their abilities after the describing this form. Um, so this is the form that's on all the posters that all the marketing, yada, yada, yada. Um, so it keeps the same, uh, kind of style, uh, of like armor instead of, um, like, uh, instead of like a spandex suit. Um, so we have all the places that are silver on him are like metal plates of armor over top of what is muscle tissue. Yeah. Um, so it looks like literally like exposed muscle. Like, so you've got the, <laughs> like the texture of it. Um, so it's actually uh, like really like when I saw this design, it kind of fed into that Giver, like you were talking about, like it, mm-hmm. it fed into that, like, Oh, that's, that's cool. That's kind of brutal. Like we're seeing like his flesh underneath the armor. Like that's fun. Uh, unfortunately there's nothing really done with it in the movie. It's just kind of, that's just what he looks like. Um, and he loses that uh, texture to his skin in the, sh- the, the series that follows. Yeah. So it's only for this movie. So, um, so uh, the, the uh, gray markings that I was talking about on his face uh, now are red. They go around his eyes just like they were before, but now it's a red line instead of gray line. And then uh, he does have uh, the traditional on the traditional Ultraman, like little head fin. Uh, he does have two red lines that are now beside uh, that or that uh, head fin. Yeah. Um, oh, he's he also... got a big sloop like like sluice down the back of his head. He's got a like a gladiator helmet. He does. Yeah. And he almost has like a star. If you're looking at him from the front, his uh, he's got like the ears oh, yeah, and I underneath see. his chin. It almost looks like a star. Yeah. Um, he still has the giant Y shaped uh, uh, color timer thing on his chest. Uh, and then underneath that, he does have a spot of black that really just kind of accentuates the Y of the uh, color timer. Um, so he has a lot of the traditional powers of an Ultraman. We kind of talked about his uh, – he's got these blades on his arms that he, could, he like 
it kind of like turns yellow and he can slice with it, but he also like can fire uh, like kind of bladed uh, like energy beams that he uses to cut off the wings of the one. Uh, uh, so he can do that. Uh, and then of course he does have his, uh, his Evolve Strom as it is called. Um, it is a, uh, it is definitely his, uh, his version of the specium ray. Um, and I will talk about that in, in favorite moment in a second. So I'll leave that there. Um, is there anything that I missed that you wanted to talk about with him? No, I mean, I think, uh, Oh, we should talk about his, his, uh, Rob, talk about his, uh, his transformations and his oh. like, yeah, well, his, I mean, well, because he doesn't really have like a proper like henshin. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no um, beta capsule for this version. Instead, he just kind of like gets mad and transforms. <laughs> uh, his first transformation, uh, well, okay, the very first time we see Ultraman Noah, he's this big red veiny CGI monster, kind of hovering above Maki and talking to him. And there's this like Ultraman space that Maki can go into to communicate with uh, Noah or next or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, when he goes through his transformation to become his perfect form, uh, he just kind of sees a kid about to die. And so he starts running really fast, uh, <laughs> like doing the Jedi force run. And then he starts growing in the process of running. Yeah. So again, there's not, you know, like, we see how grotesque the transformations are for uh, the one, but uh, uh, it's just kind of like gauzy kinda, blur. And then now there's yeah. Ultraman, you know, he just kind of glows blue. Yeah. Yeah. And it I, honestly, it was very underwhelming. It's funny. <laughs> it's it's funny. funny that he runs to transform. It's funny. It's, it's very underwhelming though, as far as like, yeah, ultra, ultra transformations. The only cool effect that they did do is, uh, when he's when he when he is transforming with the one uh the final time uh you have a moment where you're, like his eyes start glowing red and you have like the veiny like ultraman that we saw in the beginning kind of start to form over his face like he's he's like face starts glowing with lines of red yeah. as it's spreading out from his eyes but it's only that one moment and then he just starts glowing blue and then just kind of grows and yeah he's just ultraman so it's I don't know. They, I, I was I was very underwhelmed by the transformation. That's why I wanted to talk about it really quickly. <laughs> um, so okay, so least favorite favorite. What do we want to do first? Uh, I'll do a favorite moment. Honestly, okay. uh, I mean, because I my least favorite moment. I don't know that I have like one that was like so bad that it really sticks out to me. You know? Yeah. There are moments I didn't like and I thought were funny. Uh, like specifically like the gun sequence, but, um, we can, we'll save, I'll wait until you do yours, but, uh, you mind if I jump in with one of my favorite moments? Yes, yeah, go for it. I think the initial arrival and transformation of the one into his second form, his Frieza second form, uh, and the like first transformation of Ultraman is a really cool scene, scene for me because I love that the, uh, the kind of like amphitheater that they're in, which is really obviously purposely super sparse and like undecorated. And then when you get the Henshin transformation happening, they did a really good recreation of that set as a miniature for them to be able to run around in. Um, And like, you know, it had that nice like arena fight, like wrestling fight feel because they're in like an enclosed area. But I was just really impressed with the fact that the, the miniature did such a good job of recreating the 
the set. Yeah, uh, it's not quite as effective when they get to the sewer level because they do the same trick, but it doesn't quite land as well for that like transition. And I think it's the lighting is very different when he yeah. they transform into their henshin form, whereas before it's like very very dark and moody and there's some ambient lighting. As soon as the, like cuts to the transformation scene, there's like a spotlight coming down on both of them. <laughs> I think it's okay for me. I I I, I like. I like what you like about it. Yeah. The thing that stopped me from like loving it though, was I, I did. And that scene actually has my least favorite moment in it, but I'll get there. Um, but I liked, I liked the, exactly what you're talking about. I liked the, the miniature recreation yeah. of the scene. I liked that a lot. Um, the thing that I didn't like about it in the first, the first one was how sparse the space is. I felt like, it really kind of at times really hurt the scale of them because I liked that they weren't the 50 meter tall size, like right away. I liked that they were kind of growing like that was a lot of fun. And so like, I felt like in that first area, because it was such just this big open space with very few moments where they interacted with the sides of the arena. um, It just didn't give me a sense of scale that I wanted. And then it's almost the same problem, but it's almost the opposite in the second time. Because then they're in the sewers and there's these giant towers that are like, like spacing in this giant open space, which makes them look small, which is great because they're not supposed to be as big as the towers. But then they also don't really interact with those towers much yeah. either. Well, they didn't so want to like, break them. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of like, you know, because I mean, I guess technically those are like pillars holding up the whole city. So like if you could destroy those, then like, I don't know. I mean, I understand why they probably didn't do it but it would have been cool if they had started been, yeah. doing some some city destruction before they got out onto the but when they finally get outside there's plenty of buildings blowing up which was awesome yeah. there is some fun stuff sure um so my favorite moment is the is the final the specium ray uh moment uh not because it's uh, you know, it is supposed to be kind of a final, like final attack thing, just like it is in the show. And I think it does work for that. Uh, the thing that really actually made me like it was the way that it disintegrates the one. I thought that was actually a really effective uh, uh, special effect um, in a movie that has a lot of bad CGI in it. Um, his the, the the monster getting hit by the Specium Ray and then turning into like like crystal and just kind of like yeah. dissolving. <sighs> yeah. Cause, cause we're so used to like, we were so used to an Ultraman after the species raid, the monster falls down and explodes. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Cause I was like, Oh, it, it didn't explode. It disintegrated. I, like, I don't know. Fun. I love, I love blowing up the suit, man. Oh, so that's do I, my favorite but... thing. They just shove that f- giant foam suit filled with like fireworks <laughs> and they just detonate the whole thing. So it's do I, but so I, I think I liked the change of expectation with it because it, it just no, was fair. different. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that was, that was fun. Uh, for me, like I, cause I, cause I knew it was coming. I was telling Julio I was like, you know, as it was getting close to the, the beam, I was like, Oh, here he goes. He's about to use this big, big final attack. Yeah. Uh, and then it did it and I was like, Oh, it's going to explode. It's going to be this big explosion. And then it like hits it and it just like kind of turns into crystal and disintegrates. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, that was, that was different. That was fun. Um, I, I don't know. I really liked that moment. Uh, I, I, I do think there was a lot of fun moments in all of the fights. Um, and there's some definitely some good city destruction, but that that the him using his 
his version of the specium ray was was fun yeah um so uh least favorite um do you need like because i i have i have a very specific if you have one. a specific one you can go with that because mine okay. i have like a few kind of like loose ones but uh, you can go with yours first all right so mine is this um, with this being a early two thousands Japanese made film yeah, and the way it is shot, um, the monster just doesn't feel like a monster at times. It feels like a guy in a suit. Hmm. And I say that because in my head, I'm thinking of Okay, specifically to to the moment. This is this is why I was saying it's a moment. Um, it specifically really caught my eye, and that I caught it the rest of the time. But it's specifically when the monster walks into the base with the blue door, uh, when he's in his second form or his first form, whichever way you want to call it, the 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 one with the nemesis form, uh, with the human face. Yeah. Uh, when he walks in and it's he, he walks into an open like warehouse door with light coming in from the outside and he just kind of walks like shuffles in um, and the suit actor isn't like doing anything otherworldly with how he's moving. He's not moving like a kaiju. He's moving like a human in a suit. And. I, I think that like in the, in the tokusatsu world and Godzilla and everything like that, we can all point to great suit actor performances of, uh, you know, like Nakajima and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Heisei suit guy. And, uh, I can't think of his name right now cause it's, it's kind of late, but, uh, you know, we, we can all think of those great suit performances where it felt like Godzilla, not, nakajima like it's not it's not nakajima it's he is godzilla yeah like and i just think that this movie never feels like that with the one and that scene is a perfect encapsulation of that because the way he walks in he just kind of like like walks in like a guy in a costume walking into a party like he's just kind of like oh i'm here ah looks around a little bit and then shuffles a little further in <laughs> and it just, it just doesn't look good. And it, it's, it's the style of filmmaking that they were into at that time with just like these really static digital cameras. And they were into static digital cameras a lot in the two thousands. And I don't know why, cause it doesn't ever look good. Just a static wide shot, digital shot. It's like, it's not good. Unless your set <laughs> is really detailed. It doesn't look great. Um, and and so like it, it just it's a problem that kind of carries throughout this movie, even when he's the different sizes. I don't think it's as noticeable in the city sequence, because I think at that point it feels the most like a kaiju like in a city. But it, even yeah. in the 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 sewer, like I was kind of talking about with with your favorite moment, like there's there's these moments where he's just kind of in between these giant pillars and it's just kind of like shuffling back and forth and moving his little gimpy arms that are the second <laughs> suit. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't look good to me. And it really hurt that aspect of it. Like I, I once again, I, I was expecting, I was expecting something different with this movie because of the expectation of it being a reimagining of Ultraman. And I think I know, I know it was bad of me <laughs> to expect some fun stuff like say uh Ultraman Zed. 
uh, with some of the, maybe the camera stuff or just even just the scale that they, they, they pull off of that show so well. But like, I just felt none of that with the monster in this movie at any time. Mm. And I think that really, really brought down the movie for me. Um, and, uh, when, when I was, with, once again, I was with Julio and he's no, never seen any Ultraman. And one of the things he said is like, it really makes me appreciate like the guy, uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who played the predator in the original predator movie. Like he knew when he, when he was in that suit, he didn't walk like a man. He always like moved differently. Yeah. I, I think you get what I'm trying to say. He just, yeah. there, there was, there's a different way to carry yourself. Like, I feel like Rob, if I, if I threw you. A, a raptor suit like a, a like a costume of a velociraptor are you gonna like and uh, i'm like and you're at like a theme park you're at universal studios and you're supposed to walk no, around you gotta, and like you gotta like you gotta get into it and like move animalistically move yeah 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 and i just don't think i don't think the well, suit also, actor ever I mean, did that one of the big problems is like i don't know what animal the one is supposed to even represent or be emulating so at no point <laughs> does the the actor have like the tools necessary to like ace what they've been asked you know like, to do. He, <laughs> he was like, if they were going, he should have acted like a, a lizard. Like he should yeah. have had like some lizard like things, like it's a flicking tongue. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's that's my that's my diatribe about that. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> so least favorite moment from Rob. Uh, so, I mean, I think obviously the, uh, the 2 million shots to the guy's torso is, is extremely funny and undercut <laughs> because I know what they're trying to do. It's like, oh, uh, we've got to have an emotional moment here yeah. uh, for why it's sad that this guy is dying. But it's like, yeah. that's something that really should have been discovered earlier on in yeah. the story. Cause yep. like, obviously she doesn't want to kill it, but then she gets over it because like, you know. He killed a, bu- a a bus full of people. And so, you know, she's like, okay with poisoning him to death. I just think that that emotional beat was uh, underbaked. The whole movie feels underbaked, but that specific moment, which is supposed to have so much gravity to it, because it's supposed to be why you're supposed to feel bad for this big final conflict. You're supposed to have a bit of like, oh, man, wow, it's so sad. He can't save the dude, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, we don't get enough time with Udo as a dude for it mm-hmm. to be meaningful. We don't get enough time with knowing that like he and the, the scientist lady had like a special connection with him outside of she can't shoot because she saw his face kind of bulging out of his shoulder for a second. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that kind of like got in the way of it being meaningful. Um, and additionally, I think that a, a backup least favorite moment was the intro and outro monologue by the child. You don't need it. <laughs> what are you doing? There's yep. no need for this. <laughs> uh, especially if this is supposed to be the like adult Ultraman story. And it's like, I love my papa. He flies in the air on airplanes. My yeah. papa is like a silver comet. Papa. Completely unneeded. Yeah. Completely. You don't, you don't uh, need any of it. Additionally, and this is something I, I, we didn't talk about up to this point, but the so in the original Ultraman show, the day is saved when uh, uh, at the very, very end, Ultraman dies. But uh, spoilers, uh, but the humans save the day for themselves because off screen, someone invented a super rocket. Then in Shin Ultraman, uh, the humans kind of save the day because they've been given 
a flash drive by Ultraman, and then they retool his super tech into a black hole generator. Cool. Okay. In this, humanity helps out. They they do an assist, but it comes at a really weird time where you have the main character talk to Ultraman <laughs> and Ultraman's like, so this is it. Like you, you know, you're all beat up and like we're running out of power. And like, he's like, I guess I'm okay with dying. And then he's like, wait, then- no, I need to, I need to save the day. And it's this big damn hero moment only to immediately get slapped and then like put into a chokehold and have his energy absorbed. So it's like, it's the big, big, awesome hero moment, but like it is instantly undercut. I feel like what should have happened is, you know, he gets caught, he starts, you know, he's losing, gets caught, starts getting his energy drained instead of the whole sequence we got, which is Ultraman gets distracted, flies away, starts having fun. The one flies after him and fights for a little bit, gets bored because Ultraman's still fucking around, goes back and starts shooting energy blasts at Shinjuku. And then Ultraman snaps out of it and is like, oh, right, I've got to save the day. Yes. Flies in, immediately gets punked. And then while he's getting punked, uh, the JDF comes in and fires some missiles. And that gives him a chance to get uh, one up. Honestly, what should have happened is he should have, like, already been down bad. It, like, the, the flying sequence should have, like, you know, happened. And then he bef- instead of, like, just turning around and being like, I'm going to kill Shinjuku. The fight should have continued for a little bit, and then Ultraman gets injured, falls to the ground, and then you have uh, the one just blasting the city to try and destroy Ultraman. Yeah. Then, you know, as he's, like, fading and he's, like, talking to Ultraman, there's this conversation happening, and they're like, oh, you know, like, I, I, like, I, you know, I felt like what it was like to fly, but I, you know, like, I wasn't, it wasn't enough. Then humanity comes in, boom, 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 they, you know, big hero moment, ah, yay, and that gives him just enough of an, uh, an edge to blast uh, the one out of the sky. Yay. Big hero moment, the humans helped, but Ultraman also participated. What we got makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I've, I've worked myself up into that being my least favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. So cinematography. Um, yep. I feel like I kind of already talked about the the one negative, really, about this this early two thousands. Cheap. Yeah, it's cheap looking. <gasps> it's it's a camera on a tripod. Boy, it's, there's no interesting shots throughout the entire. Not even one tricky or interesting shot. There is no. I take that back. I take oh. that back. There is one. Yeah. It's in the final battle. There is one moment where the camera does a cool low angle shot of oh uh, street getting destroyed. That's true. Okay. Yes. There's, it's there's but one in an entire movie <laughs> e- easily missable and forgettable but yes, yes you are correct uh yeah um i think that the suit designers did a great job and i think the the team behind making all the miniatures kicked it out of the park just crushed it yes uh the shinjuku uh the the sewers and the arena were all so one for one it was great uh, but then you get to the actual fight and the light, it's that harsh studio lighting. Uh, there's no mood, no ambience, no like the, feeling that there's a sun anywhere. It's just like, the there's way just light. Yeah. Like the, the miniatures are there and they're good, but the way it's shot is not very, very bland, very it's boring. So bland. Um, uh, huge, huge letdown because there's like clearly a lot of talent on display on like the production side on that yes. crew. And then for the DP to be like, I don't know, man, just, just put the camera here. I don't care. 
Yeah, like it's it's a it's a bummer, and a lot of that has to do with this era of filmmaking, which is just like super cheap to just like film something once, you know, or film something eighteen times, uh, except for blowing up a building. So we can't do anything interesting during this sequence because we don't want to have to pay the production crew to make another cardboard building. So flat track, just you know, moving left and right blow up the buildings, walk into them awkwardly, shoot some laser blasts, blow them up. It's very, very, very like standard and low effort in that sequence, which is a huge shame because again, good effects, uh, good like practical effects. But uh, yeah, the rest of the movie is very like very 2000s. And need we mention CGI. the CGI? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy, uh, the CGI looks good in a few moments, and the rest it's oh boy. Um, and the good moments are, uh, I think the the ones uh, bubbling kind of transformation between the different suits is pretty fun. Uh, it doesn't look great. Fun, let's say it's fun, fun. not great. A, fun. It is fun. It's um, an operative word there. But if you have bad CGI, at least let it be fun. Yes. That's my point. Yeah. Is uh and and unfortunately the rest of the CGI is just not. The 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 first real scene with CGI in the movie yeah. is when uh, his buddy's jet starts to have engine problems. <laughs> oh. And it just starts like vibrating. Yes. Like the, the the jet is just like they took an image of a jet and, and just, just went, started wobble, like wobble, wobble. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's never explained. I thought that would be like a whole plot element, but it it's not. It's, it's not. just yeah, um, yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else to say outside of that. It's very yeah. very generically shot TV show levels of yes. cinematography, which is and a shame again, because you have this. By the way, this was made for the exact same budget as Shin Ultraman. Yes. So, yes. Keep that in mind. Yes, and that's that's a big point. Uh, for this not being that great. Um, now, um, I did want to bring up a couple things before we move into the uh, into the uh, sound, sound design. design real quick. But yeah. uh, it's a couple things that I, I, I found out uh, just for just a second ago. Um, so uh, the the muscle for uh, Ultraman underneath the armor was act that was actually Subaraya's original idea for Ultraman in the original show was oh. that was what it was supposed to be so that I did want to specify that before we get comments being like, Oh, actually, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, this is, uh, just to, just to, uh, point this out. Uh, this is the first ultra to have a rise scene after his transformation. Now, what they mean by that is the scene where he actually like does the, you know, the traditional worth the Ultraman like punching and he grows bigger. Yeah. Instead, he flies out of the transformation and kind of flies off oh, of the city. Yeah. Uh, that happens later on a lot. Like there's a lot of later Ultraman that do that instead of the big punch thing. But uh, this is the first time it ever happened in the Ultra series. Uh, Just wanted to say that. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing uh, that is kind of fun. Uh, we talked about this a lot in Shin Ultraman with the design change. Um, so when they were designing the two suits, they were keeping that in mind as well. So the t- uh, the uh, first form of Ultraman the Next, the gray suit, uh, the mask has a rocky texture to yeah. its face, which is to re- recreate the the uh, rocky texture to the original Ultra suit huh. show that showed up. And then the Type C suit 
the AK is the 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 third suit in the original Ultraman uh, is what uh, the uh, final final design is supposed to replicate with its smooth mask-like structure and stuff oh. like that. So they were trying to make some like subtle references with the suits. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I just wanted to bring those two, those three things up. Uh, but yeah, let's talk sound design. The music in this movie sucks. It's bad. It's <laughs> oh, awful. I loved it because it's, it's so like hammy, like it cock rock. It's it doesn't so fit bad. Any scene it's in. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, it's, it is across the board. (laughs) There's multiple sequences where it's like characters going from scene A to scene B and it's like, it's like (laughs) 90s cartoon show intro level of like ham. And then not Uh, to mention the, the Top Gun ripoff music. Oh yes. It's the it's the it's the GBK Godzilla theme to Godzilla's actual theme. <laughs> it's 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 like just off enough. Like it's like it'll just like and then it'll skip two notes. It's just like oh god. Yeah. It's really bad. They and what was worse is I thought they were only going to use it for the beginning moment and i was like oh it's 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 being top gun okay and then (laughs) because then uh, the next time we see the jets they actually have like a more traditional like japanese like march as the two jets are taking off yeah and i was like oh okay here we go this is back to back to what i'm used to but then like later on they they replay it in a different moment with him and his uh his other his pilot friend and i'm like no (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's back uh, yeah, the music is just not, it's not, I, I hated it. I, 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 Moving I, know, on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I see why you liked it, but, um, and then the sound design, um, so I feel like it's weird to say traditional Ultraman fair, but I think that that's this, especially this era, like it's yeah. very Heisei Ultraman, like with all its beams and yeah, the beams Stuff. are fine. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just a a, a another early two thousands Japanese film that has uh, very limited foley work. Yes. So the soundscaping, uh, as per usual, has much to be desired. Uh, I'll say at least you know the jet engines make jet engine noises, and uh, you know hey, the beams and, make beam noises. So and, and Ultraman, yes, yeah, he, he does do a few yes. He has some good yeah. So uh, that's good, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really all there is to say about sign, sound design. Unfortunately, there's not a lot. Yeah, um, I do want to point out that there was going to be a sequel to this movie. Uh, <laughs> in 2005, they announced that there was going to be a sequel, uh, and then of course the 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 show came out and failed pretty 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 bad, and so uh, they canceled the sequel <laughs> and they reused. Uh. They they used some of the suits that were going to be for the sequel and kind of remodeled them to be monsters for the show. Oh. Uh, to to kind of just like put it under the rug a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so okay. So final thoughts. Um, I'll be I'll be quick. Sure. Uh, and when I say this, I'll, I mean I, I'll give it like a couple sentences. Um, I really wanted to like this movie, and I didn't. But I didn't hate it. I don't think it's as bad as some people say it is. But I don't think it's this grand, dark reimagining that everybody touted it to be. Um, and I, I think that it 
it, it, did I have fun watching it Ye- a little bit, but not enough that I would ever revisit it. I, I, I don't think I'll ever revisit this movie. There's nothing that's drawing me back to it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, once again, there was some, there was some good stuff. The suit design was good. Um, I think, I think there was some fun stuff with the suits. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, other than that, um, it's forgettable. There's better Ultraman stuff. <laughs> That is like, like, like I said, two movies away from here. There are, there is a better Ultraman movie there. So, just, just watch Mega Monster Battle, and you'll have a, <laughs> you'll have a more fun time for sure. Well, that's that's my thoughts. Uh, this is uh, such an interesting movie because it feels like um, a movie where pre-production went super well, and then production just did not. <sighs> Um, there's so much love and effort put into all of the suit designs from every form of monster to both forms of Ultraman. Uh, there's, uh, like the love and detail into all the miniature stuff is amazing. Um, the fact that the movie does feel like it is shot as a TV show in multiple scenes, it doesn't have a cinematic quality. Isn't just from the cheap camera equipment, or the TV level acting that we're getting, but just this general sense that this movie is not capable of doing what it wants to deliver. Uh, this is not the adult reboot that they thought it would be. That's very clear with how Noah eventually died. And then they just rebooted to, ah, I guess it's for fun kids now. And then they were like, ah, I have kids, but like with a sense of danger, um, which is where we're at now. Uh, it, it, but you know, um, it, it was a nostalgic movie for me, despite never watching it before. Just the look of that, like early two thousands, like Japan movie feel, uh, where it's like a Sony Handycam is used to make a cinematic movie or something. I know it's not; they used a better camera than that, but still, it, it just it it feels it feels very like uh, at this point that is now nostalgic. Early two thousand stuff is nostalgic, you know. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's not a not a great film by uh, by any stretch. But the the suit designs and the dumb cock rock music, uh, and the moments where like you have a character saying something that is genuinely impactful, like. I didn't talk about it in my favorite moments, but Maki, uh, when he joins the tourist agency has a moment where he's uh, his boss is like, oh, I guess it's not as exciting now that you're not doing like F-15 uh, uh, flying. And Maki has his first true Ultraman protagonist moment where he says, no, I think it's it's even more exciting because every day I get to meet new people and I get to talk to them and I get to show them something that is meaningful to them. Yes, yes. And that is such a beautiful Great moment. Ultraman-ass <laughs> nugget. In literally in the dead center of this film, yes, that is utterly washed away by the late later half. Uh, but it, but that moment really stuck with me and has really resonated with like what I expect from this franchise moving forward. Any show that we watch from here on, I will probably like link back to this moment as being like my my Superman aha moment. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's okay. It's for free. It's on, it's on the YouTubes. It's on the YouTube. So it's worth checking out, especially if you are nostalgic for that early two thousands faux cinema feel, 
Um, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, so uh, that's our talk of Ultraman the next. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rob, what do we have coming the next? So uh, now that we've done ch- true Ultraman and we've done the next phase of Ultraman, I think there's only one direction we can go. That's right. The beginning. Uh, <laughs> Ultraman The Adventure Begins, the three-part OVA uh, that Hanna-Barbera put out uh, after they failed to get a full-length contract to make a show. Uh, we'll be covering that. It's a, a just a short, fun little romp in this what-if universe uh, where we have three characters like Ultraman Mary, Ultraman Paul, and Ultraman Jack, or not even Jack. It's like James or something. It's, it's wild. It's Scott, Scott, Chuck, Chuck. There and we Beth. go. Beth. Oh my God! It's so it's so good. <laughs> uh, they still make cameos from time to time. I can't wait to watch it with y'all. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I remember when I first saw it forever ago. I thought it was just like this beautiful hidden gem. And I'll tell you right now, my favorite moment is the map of the United States. <laughs> the the three creature, the three monster designs look fun really cool. monsters too. Yeah, yeah, they they look pretty pretty cool. They're pretty fun Ultraman <laughs> monsters uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited to check it out. I've seen little bits of it, and I know it's I mean it's Hanna Barbera, so you know what you're getting into. Hell yeah! Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's gonna be fun. Um, I'm I, I'm hoping for just a just a fun little romp is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> uh, to to end in this month off on maybe Kyle being a little bit more positive would be great. <laughs> uh, anyway, <clears throat> so that's coming up next. Before we go, thank you to all of our patrons. We really appreciate all the support. Yeehaw. If you want to join our Patreon, just search Tokyo Lives on Patreon. You'll find us really easily. There's lots of fun reward tiers, including joining our Discord, which we talk about all the time on the cast. And we have a lot of fun on there posting news and talking about all the rumors and posting art and just having watch parties and stuff. It's a lot, a lot of good fun. Um, but uh, thank you to Behind the Mask 1313, Kayla Talley, Damon Noyes, Joe Jira, Jonathan BBQ Nerd, Joshua, William Kelly, Jag Butcher, Luis, uh, Nathan Town, Solid Snake, William Kish, Jack Horowitz, Nicholas Whale, Nugget Coon, uh, Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Joshua Lynch, and Oda. Really appreciate all your support, uh, uh, as always. And, uh, yeah, if you want to find us on Facebook, just search Tokyo Lives. You'll find us really easily. Uh, at Tokyo Lives Cast is our Twitter handle. Um, TokyoLivesPodcast.com is our website. Uh, we sometimes post news there. Uh, I, I highly suspect that, obviously, we've got some uh, MonsterVerse stuff coming up. So yeah. once those trailers come up, <laughs> I will do breakdowns, as I always do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, and then iTunes, if you leave us a review, we'll read it out on the cast. We do appreciate iTunes reviews because it really does help us get uh, moved up in those charts so we get noticed uh, by people that maybe have not heard us before. Uh, so other than that, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed us listening to us talk about Ultraman uh, the next. Uh, next up, as we said, we have Ultraman The Adventure Begins. Yeehaw. Uh, and in that episode, we will announce what we are doing in February. Oh, I'm so excited for February, y'all. <laughs> That's my birthday month, and I got I got some fun plans for y'all. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, have a good night, everybody, or morning, or whenever you're listening to us. But for us, it is very late. So we will <laughs> talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.